1 John chapter 3. This is three sermons in one, so we'll see how far we get today. Verse 10, by this it is evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever doesn't practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is a message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all with me? How do you know if you're saved? Y'all moved. How do you know if someone else is saved? Let me ask questions. Does anyone think there are other believers in this building with them today? How do you know? It's a rather important question that's difficult to answer because we, we want to be nice to each other. Like, I don't want to question Renee's salvation. I want to love her. And loving her means just being nice to her and kind. So, she's saved. Right? I'm picking you because you're good. Okay? Well, how, how do you know if someone's truly saved? You can see evidence of it in their lives. Amen. What does that evidence look like? Now, now hang on to your hats for a minute. By this it is evident who are the children of God. They who bathe regularly, dress nicely, and speak kindly to others. Did I read that right? Whoever does not practice... Let me interpret that. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you're saved, you will love your brother. Ready for question number two. What's love? If you read the midweek thought, you'd be thinking about it all week. So now I know who read it and who didn't read it. What is love? fruit of the Spirit. That means a lost person can't love in this way. If your mama wasn't saved, your mama didn't love you. We'll explain that next week. But what are we looking for? What are we doing when we're trying to love one another? How do we know who's saved? Well, saved people love. Well, what if saved people don't know what love is? Well, then you get the Western church. <clears throat> A hodgepodge of mess. Three points, maybe a quick sermon. What saved people do, why saved people do it, and how they do it. What saved people do, they love. How do you know if someone is saved? It's really quite simple. They love one another, uniquely in the household of God. Aren't we saved by grace? Why work? Why do works? Don't we trust in the promises of God, not our own actions? But didn't God promise that he would cause us to obey his commandments? 
Didn't God promise that he would cause us to walk in paths of righteousness? Doesn't James say even the demons believe, they just shudder? Show me your faith apart from works. You can't. That's the point of what does it mean to be a Christian? That's what we're after here. Well, we'll use Timo as an illustration. Is Titus alive? That's not as hard a question as who's saved. Guys, is Titus alive? How do you know Titus is alive? He breathes, he moves, correct? How do you know a Christian is alive? They move spiritually. Titus will not just by default grow into a full-grown man. If Titus were simply left in his car carrier for the next 25 years, he would be a foolish-looking, physically large individual. <clears throat> Jasmine would come in and, what are you doing, buddy? He'd be alive if you fed him. But he would be weak and deformed and malnourished and not functioning right. My friends, Believers require nourishment and training, discipleship, but the moment we come to new life in Christ, we evidence signs of life. We don't have a robust love for God and one another, but we have the beginnings of an ability to love one another, to love the Lord, to desire the will of the Lord. We'll talk about this, but it requires nourishment and training, a la 1 John. If y'all want to enjoy fellowship with God, John says to the believer, you must fight to live as children of God. Well, how do children of God live? Well, children of God, we, we've gone through two chapters, so for here today, love one another. How do they love one another? They start by understanding what a saved person is. What's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? There's a lot. I understand it's unloading. Are we better? Are we nicer? Are we, though? You ever meet a jerk of a saved person? Why are y'all looking at me? You ever meet a saved person who cursed? Oh, are they really saved? You ever meet a lost person who doesn't curse? You ever meet a lost person who's more morally upright on the outside than a saved person? You ever meet a lost person who's nicer than a saved person, kinder, more, more generous in giving? We've all seen them, amen? The problem is the base difference between a lost person and a saved person is a saved person is a new creation in Christ. We're not nicer, we're not kinder, we're not more, more morally upright, though we may manifest that. We are functionally different. We're, we're not a reclamation project where Jesus fixes up the old us. We're a regeneration miracle where we are created anew in Christ Jesus. Grab that as the basis of who you are as a child of God. You are a new creation in Christ. And when you understand that you're a new creation in Christ, you begin to live in light of that new identity you have in Christ. You don't obey God because it's the right thing to do. You obey God because it's what you do is what you have been made anew in Christ. This is how God's children live. Titus one day will walk. Why? Because people walk. Titus will one day talk. Why? Because people talk. Titus will one day eat by himself. Why? Because people eat by themselves. That's what he does because he is a person. We are children of God. We will love God. Why? Because that's, why new, that's what new creations in Christ do. We will love one another. Why? Because that's what new creations in Christ do. We will walk in the light. Why? Because that's what new creations in Christ do. And as we do, we have joy of fellowship with God. 
It doesn't just happen naturally. It happens supernaturally through discipleship, and that's what we're after here. Amen? Y'all tracking with me? I got to get my bearings together here. Slow down. Do you have to obey God if you're saved? I'm going to keep, keep my question. Do you have to obey God if you're saved? Well, well if you don't obey God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If you don't obey God, you obey God and confess your sin. See, the question is presented to us culturally in a weird way. Let me ask it differently. Why would you not want to obey God? If you're not saved, you'd have no desire to obey God. But if you're saved, why would you not want to obey God? You want to know the, the secret? Because you forget who you are. You see, if we are children of God, verse 10, I'm sorry, if we are saved, verse 10, we are children of God. We've talked about that for quite a few weeks. We're not better people. We're not morally, more morally upright than the lost. We are children of God. Titus Morrison is a child of Micah Morrison. Why? Because he's a sweet kid. No. Because he's a handsome young man. No. Why is he a child of Micah Morrison? Because that's his daddy. No matter what Titus does, he's a child of Micah Morrison. He can spit in his daddy's face when he's 12 years old, and he's still a child of Micah Morrison. He can deny his identity. I don't love you, daddy, but he's still a child of Micah Morrison. The invitation to a child is to live in fellowship with God. You are a child of God. Do you know why, if you're saved, you're a child of God? Because God chose you before the foundation of the world. And no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter what you feel, you are a child of God. If you sin, you're a child of God. If you walk in rebellion, you're a child of God. If you tell God for a minute you don't care, you're still a child of God, but man, you're cast in sin. No matter what you do as a new creation in Christ, you're a child of God. Lock in on that. God's commandments are how his children walk. He causes it and we have joy through it. But start with the basis of who am I? I'm a child of God. Keep going to verse 14. We've passed from death to life. I just can't help it. I'm an angry person. I can't help it. I'm a greedy person. I can't help it. I'm just a... a That's who you were in the kingdom of darkness, but who are you in the kingdom of light? I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved us. I can do all things through Christ. Apart from Christ, domain of darkness dwellers, lost people, have no concern for God. God's will doesn't enter their calculations. They're focused on the material, the physical, the temporal. They seek their own will and their own desires. Don't we fall into doing that too sometimes, my friends? I'll say them again. They have no concern for God. God's will doesn't enter into their calculations. No awareness of their sin and condemnation. Focused on the material, the physical, and the temporal. And seek their own will and their own desires. That's what we fall back into if we're not paying attention to the instructions of God to his people. 
But we have passed from death to life. We are no longer in the domain of darkness. We're in the kingdom of God. And in these competing kingdoms, we need to be aware that we're alive in Christ. We know God loves us. We know our sinfulness and foolishness. We know God's law is a delight. And we are enabled to love one another. So you say, but I don't want to love them. But you can love them. And you will love them. And you fight to love them because that's what you've been made to do. You're a lover. You're not a hater. You're in the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. Do you realize we live in the midst of a spiritual battle between two kingdoms? Well, if you don't, you'll fall victim to the, the ploys of the devil all the time, and you'll live like lost people do. Think about, in your life, as you steward the time and talent and treasure entrusted to you, do you steward it with awareness of God's love for you, an awareness of the foolishness of your heart, an awareness of the wisdom of God as revealed in his commandments, and a desire to love him and love others? Or are you just doing what you want to do and hanging on by a thread? Isn't it usually the latter? Do you know why it's usually the latter? Because we functionally forget who we are and who God is. We don't meditate on the word of God. We don't live in fellowship with one another. We're not known by one another and knowing one another and pointing one another to our identity in Christ and the will of God. And so we go through life and 20 years later we look back and we say, Lord, what happened? And the devil just laughs. You're still a child of God. But we're usually functionally 25 years old and sitting in our car seats, soiling ourselves and smiling like the lost world around us. Paul puts it like this. You're still stuck on milk. You might want to chew on some steak. Let's build up to steak. Let's work on feeding ourselves so we can feed others. But when you look at the church in the West, my friends, do you not see... I'm as guilty as anyone. We're riding in booster seats when we should be driving the car for the glory of God. Love one another. Walk in the light. Die to self. Carry your cross. But it all based on who am I? Ask Titus, who are you? He can't articulate it. Ask him as a full-grown man, who are you? Hopefully his answer becomes not only I'm a child of God, I'm I'm a Morrison man. I'm a child of Micah. I'm a grandson of Paul Paul. I'm a man's man. We, we grow to know our identity, my friends. That's what John is calling us to, is to grow to know our identity. Look at verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Do you have eternal life abiding in you? You know what that means? When I was probably five, six, my daddy used to have hold-your-breath competitions in the pool over the summer. We get in the pool, and he could hold his breath over two minutes, and I'm not exaggerating. I thought he died all through my childhood. He'd go underwater. I'd start yelling, Mom! Dad's dead! Jonathan, he's not dead. If he was dead, he would float back up. Mom! I'm tapping on him under the pool. Dad! So what, what I would do is get three or four breath holds to try to beat his one. And he taught me a lesson here. And the lesson would be the first time I would come up. I remember these vividly. John, why are you coming up? Damn, my eyes were going to explode out of my head. John, it was 30 seconds. Now, remember, I'm like five years old. I should be like, good job. Not my dad. 30 seconds. You didn't even pass out. And he'd say, your eyes hurt. But do you know how much more, how much longer you could go when your eyes hurt? And so I'd go back under a couple minutes later, and i pop back up at 42 seconds. 
What are you doing up here? My chest is going to explode. Okay. My eyes hurt, but I didn't come up. Good for you. But what are you doing up here? Well, Dad, my chest was like on fire. Okay. Did you blow out all your air? Uh-uh. Then you're still good. And I'd go back under. My dad, one of the things he did well, screws you up in other areas, but one of the things he did well <laughs> is help you understand your body can do way more than you think. With your body, when you feel like you can't go anymore, you can go a whole lot more. You go for a run. You run five miles and you hit a wall. You can do five more. You're not going to die, assuming you're in maybe your 20s or 30s. By the time you're, you know, like Ricky's age, don't try this, but you can do. This body the Lord made is so much more capable than we realize. Do you know that? We often feel physically like, I can't do it. My daddy did a good job of going, oh, yes, you can. We did it with, with all sorts of stuff, digging holes in the ground, carrying things, going for hikes, going for swims. You know, we're going to die. We're not going to die. You can do it. Now, I don't know how healthy this parenting was, but there's a spiritual tie-in. If you have eternal life in you, do you know what that is? If you have eternal life abiding in you, if you have Ephesians 3.20 going on, you know what Ephesians 3.20 is? God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You, you know Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know Colossians 1.28 and 29, Paul working with all of his, all of God's energy powerfully at work within us. Guys, you can do this. I, I, I don't feel like I can love somebody. You can do it. I don't feel like I can fight this sin. Not only can you fight the sin, you, you're more than a conqueror. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just an angry person, and that's how I am. No, you're a child of God, and you can over time watch the Lord kill this sin. It's not going to be like this, but over time you can watch. I, 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 I'm, I don't really want to obey God. Okay, you don't want to obey God. Why are you going with your feelings? You can obey God. What does this look like in the culture? I'm trying to be true to myself. Let me tell you what I feel like. You are not your own, but you belong to God. God made you. God knows you. God knows what is best for you. God will lead you in paths of righteousness. Do you know where we lose the gospel? Dylan and I were talking about this yesterday. Too often when we hear the gospel, we hear a vote for Jesus campaign. Let me tell you about my candidate. He's a fine candidate. His name is Jesus, and he's running for office, and he wants your vote. Let me tell you about what he'll offer you. He'll offer you eternal life. He'll offer you forgiveness. He'll offer you joy. Will you vote for him? Will you give my candidate a look and see if he might be your guy? Ha, ha, ha. Want to vote for him? If you want to vote for him, I'll tell you how. Just pray this prayer with me. Follow along. Lord Jesus, you say it. I want you to be mine and to be your child. I want to be forgiven and live with you forever. Do you pray that prayer? Amen. You voted for Jesus, and you're in the kingdom. How about the slow version for Sherry? <laughs> Can I tell you about reality? We live in a world with two warring kingdoms. Kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. You're a citizen of the kingdom of the devil. You're living a life at enmity with God. I'll explain how you don't even care about God. You're not living for his glory. You're not truly living to love other people. You don't desire to keep God's word. You're all about living for your own glory and pursuing your own kingdom. And the king of the kingdom of God is coming. 
And when he comes, he's going to destroy all his enemies, and you're one of his enemies. But he sent emissaries to go out before he arrives to let you know that he offers terms of surrender, and they're crazier than you think. Not only will he forgive you, he will cause you who are his enemy to become his friend. You who are a citizen of the kingdom of the devil to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And not only that, you who are a son of Satan will become a child of God by grace through faith. How? Well, if he chooses you for that, how do you know if he chose you? Do you recognize your sin? Do you see the reality of this kingdom that you never noticed before and realize that you're an enemy of God? And do you see the grace and mercy of God? And he invites you to turn to him in repentance so you might be forgiven and born anew. I don't really care if you want to vote for Jesus. I want to know if you want to bow the knee to him and surrender before he comes and crushes you. And for if you will, he will lift you up and make you his own and lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and give you joy forevermore. So my friend, which king do you want to serve? King Satan or King Jesus? King Satan is doomed to die. That's the gospel. The question when you vote for Jesus is, well, well, what do I got to do for my candidate? Do I got to obey him? Do I got to give him some money? Do I got to do what he tells me to do? How long is he going to be in office? How does this work? How does he benefit me? As opposed to if I see a king who saves, how do I benefit him? How do I glorify him? How do I serve his kingdom? How do I go from how much I've been forgiven to the joy of living to the glory of God? Do you see the difference? Evangelism isn't a get-out-the-vote campaign. It's a bow the knee before it's too late. Crusade. My friends, if God abides in us, we understand these commandments are not do this or die. These commandments are you are alive. Do this and have joy. Why is it that we do not have ever seem, well, let me do it this way. Matthew, oh, let's see if I can do this. Matthew 5. Sermon on the Mount. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know what he's saying there? Don't hunger, don't make yourself hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst because he caused you to. Let's go back to Titus one more time. Why does he eat? He's alive and hungry. What happens when he eats? He burps and smiles. Amen, Jasmine? My friends, how do you know you're spiritually alive? You hunger and thirst for righteousness. What do you do when you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you open your mouth wide and let God fill it? Do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Or do you take a cracker from Satan and feel full for a minute? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For what? For they shall be satisfied. Jumping over to 1 John, they shall have joy in Christ. Their joy shall be complete. Do you understand what God is doing? We'll get to this in a, a few weeks. The commandments of God are not burdensome. They're a joy and a delight. Why? Because they are leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. They are what we hunger and thirst after at a foundational level. Here's how crazy it is. 
part of the reason we lack joy is because we think we'll have joy in things other than loving God and loving one another. Do you ever, you ever slow down and think about that? We run through our lives pursuing everything the world has to offer. We'll call them Satan crackers. And they never seem to truly fill us up or satisfy, do they? Think about it. You're, you're 18 years old. You're 21 years old. What are you going to do with your life? There's only one right answer that satisfies. I'm going to live for the glory of God, but it's here's what I want to do. Go. Go, go, go. And here's, I give it to you, the worst case scenario is often the best case scenario. You're the most successful person in the eyes of the world. You live to be 102 and you're healthy all the way through. Never have an ache or pain. You're jogging at 97 like Renee. You, you made so much money, you don't even need to know how much money you have because you can't even spend it all. You hear Juan Soto got an offer for 400 and some odd million dollars. You hear this yesterday? 400 some odd million dollar offer and you're like, that's no big deal. I made that last month. You, you got more money than Solomon. Jeff Bezos calls you up for a loan and Elon Musk asked you for an advance. You know what? You still have a problem here. You got 15 houses and four private jets and perfect climate control. And then you know what? You're still never going to be satisfied. Here's why this is so hard. It's gross outside today. Amen. With the touch of a finger, I made it lovely inside. I had a book I wanted to buy. You know what I did? A swipe, a slash, and a punk. The book will show up later this afternoon. I'm hungry. I just touch, 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 and the food can come to my door. I, 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 I'm bored. I yell out, entertain me, and the TV turns on. What would you like to watch? You know, in... In God, we live and move and have our being. We live in a time where it's so easy to forget the reality of our, the necessity of God even to breathe because everything's so easy for us. We have so much disposable income. We have so many modern conveniences, and I'm not knocking them. I like air conditioning, amen? amen. But when I can control the climate, it's easy to forget that I actually have no control over the climate at all. I don't even have the ability to wake myself up in the morning. I wake up at the mercy of the Lord who sustained me through the night. Read the Psalms. You'll read about that. And so what John is doing is he's reminding us, you were made children of God to live in the kingdom of God, to the glory of God. And part of how you do it is by loving one another. But it starts with this. If you are saved, it's not an add-on. It's a new Ask most Christian people, professing Christian people, what does it mean to be a Christian? Are you a, are you a practicing Christian? What does that mean? Are you, a, are you a living human? Ask somebody that question. Are, are, you, a, are you a breathing? Are you one of those breathing humans? Yeah, you get that. Are you a born anew Christian? No, I'm the fake dead type. What about you? We, we miss and we marinate in this culture of, that's a Christian. We asked this question way at the beginning. How do you know if someone is saved? Here's the wrong way to know if someone is saved. Assume they are just because they say they are. Wow, he's a Christian. Now, I'm not saying go to the other extreme of, I'm not even sure about Renee anymore. I mean, she missed church a few weeks ago. Was she really saved? And her knees hurt. If she really loved Jesus, wouldn't he heal her land? 
You know, but isn't she healed by Jesus' stripes? So why is she suffering? Is she really saved? Now, obviously, I'm messing around here, but you, you can find people that go this route. It's just not that hard. Do, how do you know if a person is saved? Do they love God? Do they have an awareness of sin and separation? Do they understand this two-kingdom thing? Were they aware of the kingdom of, of the devil and the kingdom of God? Are they aware of their sinfulness and God's grace? Are they thankful for the forgiveness they have in God? These are the marks of a saved person. We, we, we go with the intellectual test. You hear people say all the time, well, well I believe in Jesus. Great. Even the demons believe. They shudder. How about you? You know what the next verse says in, in James after the demons believe and shudder? Show me your faith apart from your works. You can't do it is what he's saying because the demons don't walk in God's will. Now somebody says, but wait a minute, Pastor. You're saying it's by walking in God's will that we can be assured of our salvation, but if we're not walking in God's will, then we can't have any assurance of salvation. Well, here's what I'm saying. Your salvation doesn't rest on how you walk, but your joy rests in how you walk. That's John's point. If you want to have joy of fellowship with God, and yes, I'm going to go this far, if you want to have a robust assurance of salvation, it ties into walking in obedience to God. Otherwise, we're walking in spiritual drunkenness. I'm not talking about our position before God. I'm talking about the enjoyment of that position before God. I'm trying to decide if I want to go, go this. Yeah, let's just do this and we'll, we'll tie it into next week. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and whoever does not love abides in death. So all that being said, here's who you are. You're a new creation in Christ. You've moved from one kingdom to another. You have eternal life abiding in you. You can do this. You ready for this one? What's love? So love one another. I was joking, but not joking. My mom is not a saved person. So did my mama not really love me? Like my mom, we talk on the phone. When we hang up, she says, I love you. Should I begin to say, no, you don't. You liar. The domain of darkness. Be awkward. Maybe I'll try that today. Yeah, right? Maybe she'll say, what do you mean by that? Is this that gospel you keep talking about? And I'll say, yes, mom, it is. Tell me more. I want to be saved. That's how it works. What, did my mom love me? Well, do we, do we love one another like my mama loved me? It is. It is. See, see how tricky this gets? How do we know if we're doing what God's calling us to do and why does it matter? The world likes. I like you. I find you to be of benefit to me. And you serve my kingdom. So in a distorted way, my mom loves me because I fit into her kingdom. Right? But she's not pointing me to God. You see, knowing requires certain things. Knowing requires not trying to... Let me rephrase it. This is what we tend to do in the church. We tend to be kind and affirming to one another. So Ricky could show up to church drunk out of his mind five weeks in a row. And he'd probably run into the risk of getting something like this. Well, you're not as drunk as you were last week. You're doing better. You know, it's good for you. You didn't crash into anybody on the way to church. God sure must love you. As opposed to love. 
What are you doing, man? Why are you doing this? This is not who you are in Christ. What's going on? And not in a mean-spirited way, but what's causing the struggle? Even worse, we might not even know. Y'all might think he parks crooked and he's sober, right? He's been doing this for six years. No one gave him a breath test. You ever see, he gets here early, he's like squealing in. To know one another, to love one another requires knowing one another. Not just outward facts. Listen, if you know one another through social media and text exchanges only, you don't know one another. You know one another over extended periods of time as you kind of creep into one another's lives, show up at somebody's house, get invited ideally, spend time, have people in your house, communicate, ask questions, you know? He's not drunk, okay? I think you know Ricky's not drunk. But there's a fun story. Anyone ever ask him why he parks crooked? You get to know in this trail of breadcrumbs over time why we do. We, don't we all have a quirkiness? Well, you know, you have very little quirkiness unless you really look. It took me years to, to, to realize, ooh, she did kill the dog. She didn't kill the dog. I, should, I shouldn't keep bringing that up. She didn't kill the dog. Yes, she did. <laughs> Loving one another requires knowing one another and not just knowing one another, but knowing Christ. And then knowing Christ and knowing one another, pointing one another to Christ and positioning ourselves to be pointed to Christ in light of who we truly are. It's not hiding the reality of who we are and playing faux Christianity. It's living in the reality of who we are before God and trusting the power of Jesus at work. To the question we were talking about in prayer time this morning. It's living a life of repentance before one another to the glory of God. Here's when you truly know one another. You know two or three huge struggles a person's dealing with and trying to walk with Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Realize how long some of you have known each other and how difficult that question would be. What are the, the areas of struggle and sin that you deal with as you try to walk with Jesus? Oh, I have none. I'm good. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, don't we? But, but let's be careful here, because if I tell you, then you can weaponize it against me. In fact, if I tell you, you might not think I'm a super pastor. As a pastor, I have no sin, right, Laura? Shh. Y'all, y'all understand that as a pastor, I'm super sanctified. So I have no sinful thoughts, no sinful desires. I basically read my Bible, pray, and then just go into silent meditation and sleep. It's kind of a mixture thing. And I, I basically just do some sort of weird evangelism all the time. That's my whole existence, right? I remember years ago, someone, an anonymous person, yeah, it, well, it's a line like this. You all have probably heard it. That's not very Christian of you. You ever get that line? That's not very Christian of you. What does that mean? Like, first, much of my existence is, is very unchristian-like. I don't trust God all the time. I don't love people all the time. I don't desire the will of God all the time. That's very unchristian. It's very subhuman as a new creation in Christ. But I think people miss what a, a Christian is, is a recovering sin addict struggling along to walk with Jesus and flopping around most of the time being lifted up by Christ who loves us and will bring to completion what he began. We default more towards a pharisaical approach of, I'm a Christian, I have no sin, I have no fear, I trust Jesus all the time. That's why when, when someone says, pray for me blank, ask the follow-up question, how can I pray for you? 
right? I, I know Jasmine's grandma had a stroke, two strokes, correct? And so we can go to the default, like Jasmine, be kind to Jasmine, just pray for Jasmine's grandma. Or we can love Jasmine, not putting you on the spot in, in church, but maybe someone might call you this week. How you doing with your grandma? That, that's, that's, you know, hard stuff. What, what's your relationship like with your grandma? My grandpa's in the hospital. I can go three days and forget about it. There's a backstory behind that. I'm assuming Jasmine doesn't forget about it for three days, but there's a backstory behind it. How you doing? How's the devil lobbing darts at you with your grandma struggling with this? How, how are you doing? You've got a lot of things going on in your life with, with a baby and a relocation and a, a husband serving in the military and a grandma not doing well. See, now we're knowing Jasmine. So we're not just praying arbitrarily. We're trying to love the sister in Christ. And it's not just Jasmine. It's all of us. But in order to do this, we need to start with the basics. I need to be able to encourage my sister in Christ in who she is, a child of God. In the reality of what's at work within her, she has eternal life dwelling in her. The fact that she's passed from death to life. You see what's going on here. The invitation to trust in God is an invitation to joy, not to earn God's favor. We have that secure in Christ, but to enjoy intimacy of this God who cares for us perfectly. My mama never really was able, still isn't able to truly love me in this supernatural way. Mm -hmm. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's not just love, it's love one another as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples. What does it look like? It looks like dying to self. It looks like slowing down and looking at, thinking about how lost people live. I'll say this one more time. Lost people live with God's will not entering into their calculations. How often do we do what we do without allowing the Lord's will to enter into our calculations? Lost people have no awareness of their sin. How often do we go off of feelings? This is what I want, so <clears throat> I will pursue it. This is what I desire. I prayed about it and feel a sense of peace about it, so I will do it. Don't you forget, just like me, how easily the heart is so wicked and deceitful above all things. We can't live by feelings and have the joy in Christ we should. We have to live by the word of God. How often do we do this? How often the lost live, not the lost only, but focused on the material, the physical, and the temporal. Chew on this for a minute. When you ask people to pray for you, is it always material, physical, and temporal? How often is it spiritual? Would you pray that I would have an abounding joy in Christ? Because right now I am just struggling to stay focused upon him. Would you pray that the Lord would help me with this besetting sin that keeps rearing its ugly head and I don't understand why? Would you pray the Spirit would give me an ability to understand why? And would you walk alongside me and help me to understand the thoughts and intentions of my heart that mess me up here? I'm scared of the process of dying. Would you, would you pray that the Lord would help me rest in his love and grace and mercy and compassion? You see what happens? Material, physical, temporal. That's where we go too. How often do we live like the lost and seeking our own will and our own desires? When you grew up, if you had kind parents, they said, you can be anything you want to be. Follow, follow your dreams. Reach for the stars and keep your feet on the ground. Isn't that Casey Kasem? 
Aren't we supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? It's not what do you want to do? What does the Lord intend for you? Now they overlap because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things, context, will be added to you. God has made you with certain abilities. Use those abilities for his glory. Seek his kingdom, not your kingdom. But my friends, John is calling us to slow down. The world throws some crazy definitions of love at us. Remember back in high school, college, you see somebody, you think they're, you know, fun and cute, and you, I love you. And then you're waiting for the reciprocity. You didn't love them. You desired them in the flesh, let's be honest. You, you, you liked them. You didn't love them. Well, you, you, you say to children, parents say to children all the time, I, I love you. But are you loving them by action or are you, are you leading them in paths of unrighteousness according to the desires of their flesh? Or, or are you, you know what, loving a child, a child might not like you most of the time. Here's the danger, bring this into the household of God. If we're loving one another, we're not always going to be smiling at one another and saying thank you so much. You ever try to love a drunk person? Thanks so much for taking that bottle away and making me leave the bar. That was awful kind of you. Anybody remember college? I was the only sober kid, I think, on the entire campus my freshman year. So I would go to the bars. I didn't drink, but there was nothing else to do except go and watch drunk people. And you'd see this, this foolish-looking drunk young man who was told by the barkeep, it's time to go home. I go home. I'm fine. Throws a, a loop and punch at somebody, gets, you know, throwing up on this. It's never, thank you so much. I didn't realize I was so inebriated. I have class tomorrow. <laughs> my, my friends, there, there's a struggle in loving. Try loving your kids. You know what you hear when you love your kids? You don't love me at all. You hate me. You're going to ruin my whole life. Maybe they don't articulate it out loud. You know what happens when Jesus loves us? We're more refined, so we say, God, you don't know what you're doing. Come on. You see that fruit hanging on that tree? If you really loved me, you'd let me eat it. The snake told me so. When we love one another, it's far different than liking one another. It's far deeper. It's far more meaningful. And there's something that happens when we love one another. The world hates us. I'm going to stop here for today, but I'll set it up to hand it off, because here's what we've done. We've set the stage to preach the sermon. So listen to this. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever makes a verbal profession of believing in Jesus is saved. Wait, I don't think I read that right. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. You know the story of Cain and Abel? Back in Genesis, I believe it's 4, 6, and 7, is, is they brought offerings to God. Abel brought a good offering. Cain brought a bad offering. Cain was jealous that the Lord rejected his offering, so he killed Abel. Does the world hate you? You ever experienced the world's hatred? 
You know why we struggle to experience the world's hatred? I've actually experienced, we do, we live too much like the world. I've experienced this in ways that you don't, you should, I imagine many of you have, but you don't realize what's going on. As we live in a world of two competing kingdoms, our submission to God is an offense to those who are living in the kingdom of darkness. But what we do is we distort love into a word called like, and we're afraid to offend anybody because if you're liking someone, you never want to offend them. So we appease the lost person and we rob them of the opportunity of seeing the power of God at work in us as we submit ourselves to God and love one another. What do I mean by that? I'll explain that next week. There's a big difference between loving and liking The world's definition of action of love is not really what love is, but it's what creeps into the church all the time. Too often people say to one another, spouses or parents to children or family members, I love you. My friends, we in the household of God above all places should not just say I love you, but be demonstrating a love to one another before a world that will be offensive to the world, but used by God at times to convict people of his love for us. Next week, we're going to look at why the world would hate us. We're going to look at what this love is. Listen, by this we know love. God gives us a definition that he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. I assume most people won't show up next week because you really, if if you don't hear it, you're not accountable to it. That's not true. Isn't that a little over the top? Like this isn't like, if you love one another, you're like, show up in life along no no look by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him how does god loves abide in him you know how you work your way around this what do you really need is there anyone here didn't eat breakfast this morning Laura raised her hand. Apparently we have need at the trip. You really didn't get breakfast this morning? It's because she's navigating the mess of us men around the house. You know, I I haven't gotten a new car in like eight years. Is that a need? I need a new pair of cargo pants. Do I need? I can buy my own cargo pants. Don't go showing up with a gift card to Land's End next week. I'll take it in the car though. What, what What does this mean? Well, we need to understand that in our unique cultural context, But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now wait, what's that talking about? Come back next week. That's pretty important. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Okay, I got it. So if we obey God, then whatever we ask, he gives us. No. But what's that talking about? Come back next week as we round this out. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Closing right here. Here's what I love what John does. Here's your takeaways. John tells us we're called, we're saved to love one another, and before he says, now go and do it, 
he says this, remember who you are, remember what you were and what you've become, and remember the power at work within you. It's kind of like my dad in the swimming pool, but far more robust. My, my earthly father's trying to teach me self-control and self-discipline for success. Remember who you are, your Chuck Tripp son. Remember where you are. You're in the pool with your dad. You're not going to die. Remember what you're capable of. Your eyes might pop out and your chest might burn, but you're not going to die. Go for at least a minute. You can do this. And you know what? I could do it. When you hit a minute at a very young age, you feel pretty cool and you feel like, I can do great things. I stayed underwater for a whole minute before kindergarten was over and I didn't die. That's called pride. My heavenly father is after self, not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency, not self-confidence, but God-confidence. And yes, you can do all things through Christ who strengthened you, not all things in the sense of stay underwater for five minutes, you will die but in the sense of loving one another. How? Because I'm a child of God. I'm born anew in Christ. I, I was rescued from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. I have the power of God at work within me. God's Spirit himself dwells within me. And in light of that, now do this. So stop trying to be good this week and fight to live as a new person you are in Christ. Now, I'm not calling you to be bad. Don't misunderstand but I'm saying, stop fighting to just be a nice, good, or kind person, but live out what you truly are in Christ, a new creation. Yes, you will do good things, but do the good things for the right reasons. Amen? You tracking with me? Realize you live in a battle between two competing kingdoms. Every time you turn on a television, every time you open your smartphone, every time you interact with anything of this world, you're receiving enemy fire. And the problem for us is we kind of like enemy fire because it speaks to the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye and the pride of life. Even as we sit and think within our, in our own hearts between the old self and the new self at battle, remember you live in a battle between two competing kingdoms. Now, you probably should have paid attention back in Ephesians when we talked about the armor of God in chapter 6. Read Ephesians again. Realize the battle, for if you forget the battle, the devil will delight. And last but not least, here's where we'll close it today. See the joy before you as you fight to know and rest in Christ more and more. All right, so we were talking this morning about Renee's knees, and Ricky made a comment that one day she'll have perfect knees. Amen. How would we thoroughly enjoy perfect knees if we never knew bad knees? How would, how would we marvel at forgiveness if we had nothing we needed to be forgiven of? Rejoice always. Does it really say always? Do you ever rejoice in your sin? You should. I don't mean rejoice for your sin. I mean rejoice in your sin. Why? Because if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm not calling you to go, woohoo, sin. No, I'm calling you to repent, boohoo, sin. But if anyone does sin, they have an advocate with the Father. And you know what? We can rejoice. Because I am forgiven. I am not identified by my sin, Jesus took my sin upon himself, and I am not captive to my sin, I am captive to Christ. Amen? The joy before us, we saw this a couple weeks ago, glory awaits us. It's, we're just little kids in the back of the car with God at the wheel. Are we almost there yet? We're almost there. 
how much longer? A little while longer. I'm feeling kind of carsick. Crack the window. We'll be home soon. My friends, until we come home, stop trying to be good and start fighting to be in Christ. Realize life is a battle and see the joy before us as well as the joy in our midst. You can have abiding joy in this very moment if we walk as what we are, children of God saved by grace. Do you want me to just keep going? We'll take next week off. I got a half-baked sermon for next week. It's not done yet. Let us pray. Father God, help us, please. Lord, you call us to love one another as you loved us. You've enabled us to love one another as you've loved us. You are glorified as we love one another as you have loved us. You give us deep, true joy as we love one another as you've loved us. But God, we sit here and say to you, how and help? Lord, we struggle at times even to like one another, and you call us to love one another. How are we supposed to do that? Oh, you tell us we can do all things through Christ who loved us. Lord, we are so easily distracted. We are like a child walking down the street staring into the candy store window. What are we supposed to do? Lord, you tell us that you will lead us in paths of righteousness for your namesake, that you call us to keep our eyes stayed on you as we trust in you, that you will lead us in perfect peace. Lord, help us not to begin by fighting to try to be stronger on our own, but recognizing our weakness and depending more fully upon your strength. Lord Jesus, help us to desire to cling to you rather than try to explain to you why we should do what we want to do. Lord God, help us to see your law as precious, more precious than much fine gold. Help us to see your word as sweeter than a honeycomb, able to revive the soul, to delight the eyes, to truly satisfy your people. Lord, help us to rest robustly in the fact that by grace through faith we are children of God. And allow us the joy that comes in knowing we are children of God because we live as only children of God can. We walk in the light as you are in the light. We love one another as you have loved us. We confess our sin knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us all sin. We delight in you not perfectly, but we delight in you in increasing measure, knowing that we have joy set before us as your children living with you forever. Lord, the fact that you know us fully and love us fully is the greatest desire of our hearts. And we have this secure in Christ. Having this secure in Christ in our church body, as you call all your church bodies to. Holy Spirit, help us to fight as we steward your time, your talents, and your treasures entrusted to us to live according to your word for your glory, that we might know one another and be known by one another and love one another in light of truly being known. 
Lord God, help us, for we can do none of these things on our own. Lord God, thank you that you give us the ability to have deep and abiding joy in you as we walk according to your word. And thank you, God, that you've enabled us to and that you will cause us to as you bring to completion this work of sanctification that you have begun. Lord, come quickly. Lord, help us to gaze upon you well, to rest in you well, and may we delight in you who alone are worthy of praise. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll look at love. You closing us out?